I want to share with you just for a moment on one of the passions. We talked this morning in Acts 2, it talks about this approach that is just an incredible approach when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Uh, and how real that actually was in Acts 2, if you're turning there with me. And the power of the church that God had in mind when he talked about the church was incredible. We talk about a group of people, and just to use a bit of preacher's license, we appreciate these people had seen Jesus crucified. They'd seen him rise again. They say there's about 500 people there to witness this. How many people do you need? You mean one, ten, five? How many do you want? 500 are there. But it says in a very short period of time, they were concerned that maybe the same thing that happened to Jesus was going to happen to them. And uh, then they come and they're in an upper room, probably to some degree, is again using preacher's license. Maybe they're a bit nervous. What's going to happen to them? What's going to happen? And what are they going to do? And they decided that one of the best things they could actually do was to get together. How many people know getting together, there's a safety, there's a feeling of safety, there's a feeling of strength when you get together, you know? If we're all going to die, we're going to die together, you know? <laughs> and they're all there together and they're praying, and that's a good thing to do. Second thing is to pray. It's easy to talk, it's easy to gossip, it's easy to say, what about this, what about that? You know, and, and you know, but they prayed. And the Bible says, in amongst that praying, God goes right over the top and just does a whole crazy thing beyond what they expected or believed. And he sends his Holy Spirit. They were, you know, maybe they were a bit surprised in the sense of how that came because Jesus had prophesied that the Holy Spirit would come. But all of a sudden now there's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit and it said fire, tongues of, sat on each one of their heads and all of a sudden there's an activation that starts to happen. There's a whole bunch of people that yesterday were fearful and concerned. Today that 3,000 people had responded to the love of God in that day because of that same people. Because the Holy Spirit had filled their life. And it tells me one thing that I can bring out of that for me is that when people are full of the Holy Ghost, when people are well like that in a community, it's very attractive, it's very contagious, and it's very real. And a community of church, the birthing of the early church, was a healthy environment. It was a well environment. It was a full environment. So when people came into that environment, they couldn't help but respond to God. Uh-huh. I don't believe the church should be full of broken people. There'll be broken people that come, and if you're here tonight, we welcome you, and thank you for coming to church. It's a good thing to do. But we can't all be broken, because otherwise Jesus, the healer of the broken heart, is not alive in his church. Uh-huh. So there's got to be a true community. There's got to be a living community, a life-giving community. When some of those people come, or maybe you would be one of those people one day, when something would happen to you and you don't need church to be a pumped-up place, you need it to be a loving place and a kind place and a peaceful place. And you need real people to put their arm around you and comfort you and encourage you in a real way. That's not fake and that's not just like you can get a friend at work to do. Is not a Christian. But Christian love can be manifest and you can be full of the Holy Ghost uh, in, in that moment. And this is the reality, I suppose, I think of the community that God had in mind from Pentecost, the type of church. And it says they went from house to house. They visited each other. They ate together. They enjoyed each other. They had fun together. They saw God move together. And I believe that's the church of the future. That's the church of today. It's very possible. It's 2000 years ago now since this particular time and somehow I think we've been hijacked a little bit but we're coming back on course the church of Jesus Christ is coming back on church on course and the real is the real deal is the real deal and I just want to talk for a moment just on a few things that relate to that just five quick points that relate to that that help us lock in again I think church in in a way we're going to talk about what it means in a second but I believe church in a way is a decision 
It's a decision. Just like salvation is a decision, I decided the church is the healthiest place I could be to grow. Uh-huh. You don't get this at Coles. You don't get it at Myers. You don't get any places. And I believe that church for a lot of people has been, you know, like the stitch in time saves nine. It's been a, just a shot in the arm for some people when they've really needed it and their marriage has stayed together or their life has stayed together or they haven't made a dodgy decision because of the teaching or the training or the equipping that was in the church. And so here we understand it's a decision to value my church, to value the church I'm part of. And my attendance is paramount in that. Because how many people know that, anyway, I get excited about that and I believe it. So I want to talk tonight about, uh, people talk today, five reasons why people leave the church. I want to talk about five reasons why people stay in the church. I think that's important, don't you? I believe people stay in the church because they realize Jesus and becoming like Jesus, a Christ-like person, is their new goal in life. My new goal in life, now I'm a believer, is to become like Jesus. We listen to men's uni and we listen to all these things. And in amongst it, go, man, I don't know who I'm meant to be. I'm meant to be this. I'm meant to be submissive. I'm meant to be decisive. And I've got to be this. And I've got to be humble. And I've got to be, you know, this. And I'm not allowed to be proud. And Just be like Jesus. And all will go well. <laughs> the next question is, what was Jesus like? Now we can talk. And so how important it is that my church, the local church, will help me mature to be more Christ-like. I don't believe you'll get that at home. Why is that? It's because you're fellowshipping with other believers. And the Bible says, in that place, steel will sharpen steel. You'll become sharper. You'll become a place where it's a safe place. You can feel loved. You can feel, you know, to be corrected or helped understand things or whatever it might be. And it'll be a clean place. And you'll find that in the church, you'll realize that God will have a bigger vision for my life than I've ever had for myself. Whether it's YouTube, I never come up with that idea myself. God goes, well, just get involved and it'll be like your idea because you'll be part of that. Wow, I never thought I could be that. All of a sudden now, you know, we've got a few people that we're looking and training, Pastor Heidi's working with, with cameras and stuff. They can be on a stage, a worldwide stage in five minutes. Their face can be in front of millions of people all of a sudden. We've never been able to do this before. And so church is an incredible place to develop a Christ-likeness and I can support the, and be a co-worker with God and identify with the call in my local church. Uh, number one, that's important that people understand that. It's Christ-likeness that's important. Number two is to believe that God is good. And suffering doesn't disapprove or disprove, sorry, the existence of God. Many times I think God protects us or tries to protect us from being hurt and falling on our own swords and feeling, you know, discouraged and disappointment over many different things because he helps us with being, being understanding of a miraculous God who can heal us and deliver us and give us advice like a good father ahead of time. And the church is a victorious place that, for that to help to know that God is good for my life. Uh-huh. And the Bible says, it goes on and says that God is someone who's closer than a brother. He'll help me and he'll work it through with me and he'll talk it through with me and help uh, you know, me feel loved and cared for. And he'll cause me to, to realize that I need to be strong and stand up against things. In 1 Corinthians 13, it describes what love is. And it describes what love is very clearly. But it also describes in that same chapter what love isn't. You ever notice that? When, you def- when you, uh, you know, someone says, who are you? you know, tell me about you, whatever it is. 
the real way to define yourself is by what you what your loves are and also by what your hates are. This is who I'm not. This is who I am. It's, it, it's got to be an equal balance. If you read that section of Scripture, it's actually nearly balanced out what love is and what love isn't. It's defined there very, very clearly. And so the, the spiritual battles that we may go through in being able to walk together is very, very important for our growth and our maturing as Christians. Maturing. One of the things I had a prophet come to Cairns once and years ago, and uh, one of the things I said to him, I said, you know, you just arrived. Tell me about the spirit of Cairns. What, what's, what do you notice about Cairns just arriving? He said, there's a very strong spirit of unfaithfulness over Cairns. I said, really? He goes, yeah. The devil set it up very well, unfaithfulness. You know, it's a bit like the frog in the kettle. It slowly cooks you. You don't even realize to be unfaithful in so many different things. I think that's fantastic because if the devil set up a counterfeit kingdom against unfaithfulness, what does God want? God wants faithfulness. And in faithfulness, he'll bless us. In faithfulness, we can serve him. In faithfulness, we'll grow full and we'll grow strong. And I thought, what a great insight that I can actually have in my spiritual life to stand against unfaithfulness. I am a faithful person. I'm not unfaithful. That's who I am as a person. We just described that or decided that that would be important to know what I am and what I aren't. So I can grow strong and in the temptation comes to be unfaithful. No, that's not who I am. I'm a faithful person. That is the devil speaking to me about getting offended or hurt or disappointed and stuff. So I can cause that to be unfaithful. I am a, let's say it I'm a faithful person. Uh-huh. The word faithful actually comes from the word faith-filled. I'm a faith-filled person. The Bible says, have the faith of God. Huh? or have faith in God. That's a wonderful thing anyway. I just got excited about that. So it's important to, to connect my spirituality in line with just not attending church, not just turning up, not just going, oh, yeah, will I go? No, I have decided that if you want to find me in the next 100 years, if Jesus tarries, and I live that long, uh -huh, you know, you'll find me in the local church. I'll have to stand against unfaithfulness, have to stand against it. But what? Not to stand against it as much as to know how to be faithful and the benefits and the joys of being a faithful person, the rewards of being a faithful person in a safe community called the church. Number three is to keep having good church experiences. Uh-huh. Good church experiences. That's really important. Relationships are important to us. And good relationships are healthy relationships. Is that right? And healthy relationships are a good one. But the challenge is, is that relationships can be so complex and so awkward and so difficult. They're not a simple thing. Sometimes relationships, they can be messy. But it doesn't alter the fact that God has called us to love one another. Why do you feel, you know, what is, how many people feel really good when they're not in a good relationship with someone that they've been in? We don't feel good about it, do we? It's a natural part of our life to want to get back and see that relationship restored and be made strong again. It's, it's a funny thing. It's in us, isn't it, to be like that and desire to do that. And church is a wonderful place. I believe it should be a safe environment where we can minister people, help people, and feel that I'm part of the local church. So when I'm not there, I'm missed. I need to be there every week because I know as a church, we progress so quickly. We move so quickly. Different things and different things we're doing. And if you wait for a week or two, you get left behind really quickly. I could imagine a church like this. But to you to keep having 
good church experiences, I believe, is very, very important. And I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss anything that God wants to do. Number four is, we're only going to five. In the church, we make new people feel welcome. In our church, we make new people feel welcome. I often say it, who's the most important person in our church? The people who haven't walked through the door yet. They're the most important people in the life of our church. Not the board, not the senior pastor. It's new people in the life of our church. I personally, I personally, apart from being a Christian, so to speak, I just love meeting new human beings. I just think it's really cool to meet new human beings you haven't met before. My little granddaughter the other day, you know, we were talking about it, and I was thinking, you know, she's only uh, three now. And a lot of things she's seeing, she's seeing for the first time ever. The first time ever. A lot of things we see now, we've seen them before. But imagine seeing for things for the first time. Like when she came to church there, it was a, a, you know, a couple of months ago, it was the first time she'd seen people dancing in a band like that. She was like, these her eyes were like saucers standing at the front. First time ever. And, and the innocence of a child, the freshness of that. And I'm thinking, you know, she's seeing cars and she, shows, she loves the trains and she sees loves looking at the train. All this. And some of the things that she's seeing are the first time. I don't think she's ever seen a saxophone. You know, I don't know if she's ever seen some of the things that you'd go, oh, yeah, seriously, everyone's seen a saxophone, haven't they? You know, and yet there's a freshness about that. And I think there needs to be a freshness about that in our life when we meet new people. Another new human, hi. And every human, to some degree, has a handle. What's the handle? Their name. That's your name. I don't know why your parents called you that. You probably wouldn't have called yourself that, but your parents called you that. And that's the sweetest thing that you have in your life is your name, isn't it? Very sweet and and special. Not the sweetest, but one of the sweetest things. So we make new people welcome. And whether they're unbelieving people, misbehaving people, troubled people, men and women, whatever it is, Jesus loved meeting new people, and he loved meeting people who didn't, you know, have life together. He loved people meeting, meeting people who weren't like him. It's a really cool thing about Jesus. He didn't have a problem about that. It's supposed to be hard when you're the son of God trying to look for people who were like you because there was only one son. <laughs> but he loved being around those sort of people and meeting people. In fact, one of the reasons why they got offended at Jesus and part of the crucifixion process is because he was the friend of sinners. You know? Now, you know, we don't hang out. We don't. I'll be here in the morning, but you won't be. You'll be at work or whatever you do uh, during the day. And you'll be with a whole bunch of these people. And these people will need to know what it feels like to be loved and cared for. You know, I say that the love of God doesn't need to be kept in the building. It needs to be taken out the door, into the marketplace, into the workplace, wherever that is. And people are going to experience the love of God. That's why, as I said before, a church needs to be a place that's whole. Because eventually, if you, if you get too inreachy, then all you do is you keep praying for people in the church to get better when they're already better. Then they get sick get you to pray for them because they've got attention problems now. Rather than saying, no, we can be made whole by Jesus and we can go and reach a hurting and dying world, you know, six days a week or whatever and come back here and regroup and refresh our hearts so we're ready to go again. It's called the church, which leads me to the last one. People stay in church when they understand the church is a people, not just a building. The ecclesia, the Bible says, are called out ones. The word ecclesia actually means a gathered people, a called out people for a special purpose. When Jesus is talking about this, and it was talked about in the Bible, it's not talking about an actual physical building. It's talking about 
are called out ones, are people who get together, who, as I said many, many times, we don't have to come to church. We want to be the church. We want to be people who associate and believe that we are part of a body of people called the church on planet Earth. It's not just a building we attend to. This is like our clubhouse where we get to hang out. But essentially, we're part of believers all over the planet and how wonderful that actually is. But it's wonderful to know in the life of the church, maybe the, your local church, what part you play. Are you the leg? Are you the hand? Are you the toe? Are you the liver? Be a liver, I think. would be good, wouldn't it, Paul? What would you? I'm a believer. I'm a believer. Uh, uh, sorry, that was just a quick one, wasn't it? That was nearly better than the dark one. <laughs> but I don't know what you'd be if it was part of the human anatomy, what part you'd actually be and being part of the life of the church. But it's good to feel like you actually are a toe or a, you know, a ankle or a heart or something like that as part of the solution, part of the life of the church, so you can feel like you're connected to the body and you can actually feel like you're a growing part because all good bodies, healthy bodies grow, don't they? And so that's important because what I want to do, let's wrap it up. Musicians are coming. I want to be part of something that is maturing. I'm maturing as a Christian. The Bible says even so far as if you're going to employ people in the life of a church, in the life of anything like that, is don't employ a novice because the Bible says they'll get puffed up with pride. Isn't it wonderful to learn humility and grace and the safety of the life of a church? And it's not to be just played out in the church. It's it's not so you do, it's so you are. And you become that. You become the grace of God in your life. It's just how you roll. It's just who you are. Now, I didn't start out like that. I started out like a buffhead. But I've got a goal now as a believer to be like Christ. And that's a goal, to be like Him. That's the journey. And if stuff's got to fall off to meet that goal, then let it fall off. If steel's got to sharpen steel, let it sharpen steel. My role is I just got a microphone. That's all I get. <laughs> you know, we've got, all got roles and responsibilities and opportunities, even if they just sit above your head and you don't take advantage of them. They still sit there. Call of God on your life. Blessed to be a blessing. That's how it works. And so tonight, the value, we finish these months on doing community and doing family well are incredible. My children, always we gave them chores and jobs and responsibilities because without that, they didn't feel part of the family. We were robbing them of feeling part of the family because we just did everything for them. No, 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 that's not how it works. It's not how life works. It doesn't work that way. And so it's good to get our hands dirty, be part of what God wants to do. It makes us feel included. It makes us feel part of it. Five points, really quickly. We did the youth. What a great vision. God is good. What a great day we've had. Pastor, Dr. Robert Lewis shared this morning about family. We've had a great day, haven't we? Honoring God, thanking God. And I thank God as we wrap up this month for the local church. What a great invention God had in mind when he birthed the church at Pentecost. What a great idea. Let's stay on course for that. Let's not come up with a church that we think God wants. Let's be the church God wants. Father, we thank you tonight. 
We're going to go and eat some chickens, some salad, coffee, to hang out together. Because that's part of maturing. It's part of growing. Jesus didn't sit down and lecture his disciples all the time. He ate with them and he talked with them and he hung out with them. They loved, 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 loved being around him. I believe, and the Bible doesn't actually say this, but I believe it wasn't just what he said. It's what it felt like when they were with him. They felt his presence. They felt his love. They felt his belief in them. He laughed with them. He cried with them. He was very real. Someone said, well, what's God like? No one's ever seen God. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen God. The Word who became flesh, Jesus. God, we thank you tonight that we can be carriers of your presence for the miraculous. That no matter where we go tonight, where we put our heads down, we can have a comfort and a confidence that God is for me. He's not against me. He loves me. He has a plan and purpose for my life. I'll never need to be lonely again. Help us, we pray, Father, tonight. Jesus.